Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. On today's show, I sit down with Premiership winning NRL player Darius Boyd. Darius Boyd, his 16th origin try, second highest try scorer in the history of origin, Darius Boyd. So, first things first, how is SAS Australia? You know, as athletes, you obviously are used to training your body and pushing through pain like uh, as a... You know, footy player, I have no idea what kind of pain and injuries and <laughs> what kind of mental toughness that takes to do that because as a swimmer, <laughs> I'm like, don't touch me. I'm in the water. I have my own lane. <laughs> if you're even yeah. near my feet in training, it's like, get the hell away from me. Do you feel like you were able to apply what you learnt from footy into that experience or was it just something that was so far outside of your comfort zone? Yeah, I think there's some, you know, I suppose principles are the same as far as, you know, setbacks, you know, um, the resilience building, I suppose, from, you know, whether it's injuries or, you know, criticism, um, media, whatever it might be. I think there's definitely times you have to be really resilient just as an athlete in general, doesn't matter what sport you play. So, um, you know, overcoming fears, bouncing back, the challenges, I think, you know, that kind of ties in. The, you know, the SAS side of things, I guess. Um, which is another good learning opportunity, I think, for me. You know, I think resilience is you know, context specific as well. I think um, resilience in sport would not be resilience in your home life, for example. So mm. I wanted to see if I could be resilient in another arena, I guess, as far as, you know, like, you know, the SAS course, it's, you know, underwater, it's heights, it's, you know, confined spaces, um, you know, sleep deprivation, mm. um, not much food. So there's a lot of things. I hadn't experienced before, so I wanted to see how resilient. I thought I was a resilient person going in, but I wanted to see how resilient I was in different you know, contexts. That's actually a really interesting way of looking at it because I hadn't even thought of it. But of course, it, it's resilience in different areas and different contexts of your life, and understanding how you know one area can play into another, but also you do have to develop that resilience in different arenas. Do you feel like you? were able to do that and, and take that away from that experience? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, going in, I kind of knew what I was uh, putting myself in for, I guess. Uh, I did a bit of training in some areas I wasn't comfortable. Um, you know, Swimming? Underwater and, <laughs> yeah. yeah, underwater. Footy uh, players aren't. Do with water. Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> They're not notoriously not the best, good best at it. Best swimmer or the best, yeah, much confidence in that area. So I um, got a bit of help there and, um, you know, a bit of boxing and different things just to do some things I wasn't comfortable with. So hopefully when those challenges arose that I'd be more equipped to have a few tools to you know, handle them. But, yeah, I mean, apart from that, like I said, I knew I was going into. So it was just about trying to give myself the most confidence as possible going in and then um, using some of the tools I had learned about, you know, probably resilience and setbacks and challenges to try and face whatever come next. I knew I was someone that wouldn't give up. I've never been someone, and I think athletes are a bit like that, you know, you've, mm. You never really give up. You, you get a lot of setbacks and challenges through your sporting career and you never want to give up and you always want to put your best foot forward. Um, you, you have a bit of a fear of failure, I guess, and you want to be the best or the best you could possibly be. And I think that's what I wanted to do, although it'll be in a different context. And um, but overall, you yeah, have a good experience. And I, I mean, that's actually kind of a good lead into going back to the beginning. How did you get into footy? Like for those who don't 
know you. Um, you played NRL football um, for many, many years. It was about 15 years in the league. Yeah, 15. Yeah. yeah. So how did you get started in footy? How did, how did you kind of – how did that spark, how did that passion start for you? I think it was um, about six or seven years old. My mum's my mom's partner at the time. Uh, I think he was pretty keen on, on rugby, rugby league, rugby union. So um, he took me in my local team and – I just really picked it up and really loved it straight away. Being a team sport, being around you know other kids as an only child, so um, you know having some friends and some mates and something to look forward to on the weekends. Um, played a couple other sports, but you know rugby seemed to be something I was pretty good at and I really enjoyed. So really loved it and stuck with it. And did it feel like it was just a natural progression for you, or like it kind of just came easily? You like made rep teams and then got selected to be part of the Broncos. Like, is that how it transpired, or was it? A bit more challenging than that. Uh, yes, and no. I mean, I made my local rep side, so I was always you know, okay, pretty good, I guess. Um, never the best in my age group. So I made um, you know, Queensland or Australian teams until my uh, very last year of high school. Um, so probably wasn't. Um, I thought I was pretty good in the early years, and then when I got you know when kids started to grow and mature, um, I probably was behind a little bit. So it probably took me my last final years of high school to really grow and mature and. Um, start making rep size and getting a contract probably a couple of years behind a couple of other guys um, and getting contracts and things and um, but you know lucky enough to get an opportunity to go up to Brisbane and from the Gold Coast and you know made my de- debut the following season. And what was that like because I'm I'm a pretty I have been a pretty big Broncos tragic <laughs> in my time and 2006 was your debut year and yeah. That year we went on we, – we, I was part of it, obviously. We went on to win the premiership that year. Yeah. What was that like for your, your – that was your debut into, into footy and into NRL? Yeah, I suppose I was the same like yourself. I was a bit of a Broncos tragic growing up. Being a kid from the Gold Coast, they didn't really have a team or they were in and out of the competition from my childhood, so – Broncos was always my team. I'd catch the train up with my mum or you know, family or friends to go watch their games. Um, and you'd get a scholarship there to go there and play and or at least be a part of, the, I suppose, the club and then actually get the opportunity to play and play with guys, you know, Darren Lockett, Petros Nasiva, Shane Webke, was a, you know, the star-studded lineup they had. Um, like that go, must have yeah. been insane, like to, to play with those people that you probably were watching for years beforehand, just... And then you yeah, were there. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I've got a, my, I've still got a signed jersey from Darren Locker. <laughs> Me too. Um, was, yeah, <laughs> the year before I actually started, um, you know, I met him at a camp 12 months prior and like 12 months, you know, following that camp that he signed that jersey, we won a grand final together. So, I mean, yeah, the first, when I first went there and originally, you know, got to the club and started training um, with some of the players, it was a bit surreal. You watch these guys on TV and then you, you know, you realise they're human beings just like you. I think when you're a kid, you're watching them and you don't really understand and you get to you know, rub shoulders with them, you realise that they're just the same as you. They eat food, they go to the movies, they you know, love you know, the same things that you like and enjoy. So it was pretty you know, surreal in that regard and I don't think I said a lot. I was a pretty quiet, shy kind of kid. So it was you know, probably hello and goodbye and that was kind of about it. But, yeah, to win the grand final my first year, I think, you know, very lucky, very grateful to Wayne and, you know, for giving me that opportunity and, it was something that I probably didn't realise how hard it is to do until, you know, my, my career went longer and years went by to realise it's really hard to, you know, get to the grand final and actually win it as well. 
That's actually an interesting question because I, I I wonder that about situations or athletes who, not that it comes easily at all, but like to have a premiership in your first year, like that's insane and, you know, not many people get that experience. Some people never get a premiership in footy, obviously. They mm. go get their entire careers. It, it must have been humbling, you know, in the years after where you go, oh, it's actually really hard to win a premiership and it's really hard to win games week in and week out and be that consistent high performer. Oh, definitely. I think you take it for granted. I think, you know, as a kid coming in, I was just happy making my debut and every time I got to put on the Broncos jersey was, you know, dream come true. And I think as you um, achieve some goals and you want to set more and you want to stay in the team and you want to make rep sides and you want to win the premiership or you want to win more premierships or individual accolades and play a certain amount of games and have X amount of career, you know, what type of career. So it, your goals always keep moving, I guess. But, you know, um, you know after that first year, you know, everything was, I wouldn't say easy, but for me in my eyes, it just it just flowed so well. And I think, you know, I didn't, no setbacks, no challenges. You know, I'm just a young kid coming in realising his dream. And I think, mm-hmm. As your career goes on, you realise you know, the, the challenges you do face. You know, like I said, injuries, media setbacks, full form, loss of loss, uh, loss, you know, lose games. You know, there's so many different challenges you do face. So um, you realise, you know, it's not all um, sunshines and rainbows. And I think mm. it's about you know just enjoying the moments when you can because you never know when those opportunities come again. Because that's that's something that I really wanted to understand when I was doing the research for this for this chat. God, there's so many articles about poor form. They're like, oh, he's going through a shitty period. You know, he's been demoted. He's been put in. He's been put out. Like how as an athlete, because, I mean, when when you're an Olympic athlete, people only really tune in every four years. <laughs> so you can kind of yeah. just fly under the radar for four years. You just do your own thing. There's not a huge amount of commentary on where you're at in terms of, you know, training, performance, etc. But for the sports that are played, you know, week in and week out, you know, so many weeks of the year, it's like if you have a few bad weeks, it's it, I just can't imagine having to deal with that kind of scrutiny and how do you get then get out of that bad bad form when, when everyone's just basically piling on you? Mm, yeah, it's a good question. I think it's something that I really struggled with earlier in my career. Um, I think it took me a long time to understand that the media side of things and how it all works and at the end of the day, it probably took me you know, quite a few years to understand it, but at the end of the day, it's just about you know focusing on what you can control, which is in your four walls, whether that's at the club or at home. You know how, you know, how dedicated you are to the game or to your training or what, you, what food you're putting in your body. Um, you, know, you know yourself when you look in the mirror if you had a, had a go at the game or you, you, know, you, you made a mistake or an error or you didn't put your best foot forward. So you, you're your best you know, marker in terms of your performance. Um, and you listen, obviously, your, your coach and your peers are the other ones that can give you, you know, honest and constructive feedback. And I think you know, I've learned over the years I don't have social media. I think that's a, you know, one big, I suppose, tick for me as far as when criticism comes. Mm. I'm not on social media seeing negative comments or reading things. But the other part is just to understand too, I think the media has a game, I wouldn't say a game, but they have a job to do with us. Someone told me one time it's a good way to look at it. It's, you know, it's a bit of a hero and villain story. Mm. You know, there's heroes and there's villains and there's a lot in between and you're probably a lot of the time you're in between. Um, sometimes when you're winning grand finals and getting all these individual accolades, you're probably not the hero that they make you out to be. Uh, and I'm saying 
uh, turn on other, other foot that when you're probably struggling for form and you, you know, the team's not going too well, then you're probably not the villain they're making you out to be either. And uh, unfortunately, it is a challenge because I think, you know, society likes to jump on these things yeah. these days and just, you know, so many, you know, whether it's social media or mainstream media, they love to a villain and put the boot in a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, I think if you can have that understanding about heroes and villains and understand, you know, where you can get you know, positive feedback from or, or constructive feedback, and um, I think you, do, you know you set yourself up pretty well. Do you feel like part of the way that you've been able to create that perspective? Because like you've you had a challenging upbringing, um, and you know obviously footy played a good role for you in terms of consistency and routine and structure and. I, like it's a theory that I have that a lot of uh, elite athletes have kind of challenging upbringings and they are mm. able to channel that energy and difficulty yeah. into sport. I, I, I just think I think that's, well, it's a theory that I'm working with. Anyway. No, I agree. I do. I agree. <laughs> it's, um, and so do you feel like, because you obviously you followed Wayne Bennett basically through your entire career till almost the very mm. end. Do you feel like having that structure and kind of, I guess that connection with him was almost that consistent, almost parent parental figure in your life that you needed to have that guidance and to get that perspective and to also recognise that you may be not as great as people might make you out to be and you're not as shit as people might make you out to be. Yeah, you, you, you're right. I think for me, I think you know, I look back on my career and I copped a bit of criticism over the years for following Wayne, uh, but you know, at the end of the day I look back now and think it was the best decision I ever made. You know, I'm still involved in rugby league and um, even, you know, in the last few years, a bit of instability at the Broncos with different coaches and whatnot. And um, I've seen what good organisations look like and I've seen what, you know, struggling ones look like too. And, you know, Wayne definitely brought that structure, that balance, level of professionalism and expectation. And I was really lucky to have him for 13 out of my 15 seasons just because I knew what he expected of me. I knew what the, um, the culture at each club we went to was going to be. I knew everything about the, the training regime. Everything was asked of us as players and I think that stability and that structure was you know really good for me on and off the field as well do you feel like well after after you know retiring because you retired in 2020 what a time to retire <laughs> you've been retired yeah. in during the pandemic, the pandemic. <laughs> fun um how have you created that structure for you in life after sport? Because I think that is something that I know that I've struggled with, but I know a lot of athletes struggle in creating their own structure or have you been able to do that and just that's a foundation for you now? Yeah, that's probably one thing I've struggled with the most. Um, you know, I've been planning for retirement for a few years, but um, until you really get in the heat of it, I suppose you don't really know. Uh, and I think for me, you know, on one hand, some of the work I do now is very sporadic so it's not consistent or the day the days change or the times change so um on one hand it's great i get time to you know drop my kids at school pick them up kindy daycare and you know after school sports i've got a lot of flexibility in my schedule which i love and it's amazing uh, but on the other hand it's it's not the structure i'm used to either so yeah. it's, sometimes it's my challenge and downfall as well so and to find a find a happy medium or a balance is, is probably one of the bigger challenges um but in saying that i think one of the other harder things i've probably found is just uh, the physical activity, um, you know, obviously it's so physical with, with training, being an athlete, you train every day, you get paid to do that. And um, you know, That was so fun to be able to do that, <laughs> just yeah, to well, exercise I'm for just, a living. Yeah, it's, well, you don't even, you, it's, it's hard to call it a job sometimes. Yeah, but exactly. 
um, just, you know, lucky to do what you do. But, you know, for me, I think, and I'm probably sure uh, a lot of athletes are the same, was that my training is just, you know, part of my, I suppose, it's good for my mental space as well, um, my resilience, my, you know, thinking good things, being on the right path on a good track is such a, obviously great physically, but just as important mentally. And I think that's something that I've really found probably the hardest is, you know, amongst work and kids and study and other things that I've sort of find time to you know, keep fit mm. with, you know, for my body or for my mental health as well. So I think that's probably been the hardest part and I've found it through the last probably 18 months of retirement. Oh man, you're, sp- you're speaking my language. It's yeah. It, for me, exercise is like the foundation of my mental health. Like, yeah, obviously physically it's really beneficial, but for me to have that space that I know that I'm going to get every single day. And it's really hard because you've got, you've got three little girls. Um, I have three <laughs> little girls as well. And it's, uh-huh. it's, it's hard to find time, especially when you mm. are trying to work, when you are trying to kind of redefine yourself um in life after sport as well so what what are you up to now like how do you how do you spend your time what sort of work are you doing yeah i do a lot of work in the mental health space Uh, i'm really passionate about that Uh, i had a history of it with my mum struggling with mental illness when i was younger Uh, i had my own battles with mental health through my footy career Um, and just yeah really enjoy that space really enjoy helping others giving back uh, so I do a lot of work through the Broncos and their community programs, a little bit of stuff privately as well, um, doing some study in, in those areas too, which uh, I really find you know, beneficial not only for um, the work I want to do, but also just to have a bit of meaning and purpose in life, mm. uh, a bit of personal growth too. I think it's important, especially when you I think as an athlete or anyone that changes you know, career path that you need meaning and purpose in life. It's really important, uh, and I think that's really given that to me. And I'm doing a little bit of coaching as well, which you know, I've still got connection with the footy team and and, and and football as well. So I feel like that's given me that um, made the transition easier by just having that still little connection with football, still a bit of involvement, uh, not, obviously not as much, but you know, the transition hasn't gone from uh, complete football to completely nothing. So yeah. I think that's you know, made that balance, made it transition a lot easier than maybe what would be for others. Yeah, I think that is something that people – do find quite challenging because you see these people every single day, most days of the week, and then all of a sudden it's you don't see them again almost. And you're like, mm. oh, cool, I'm like in this group and now I'm not in that group and where do I actually fit? But it's, it's, it's so um, heartwarming to hear that you're so passionate about mental health because you it has been fairly well publicised, your challenges that you've had, particularly during your footy career. And you and your partner, your wife, Kayla, is just, you've been so open about it. Like I know that you're kind of, you're not on social media, but I know that she's spoken a bit about challenges and and difficulties that both of you have faced and how marriage takes a lot of work and, you know, things aren't as easy as what social media kind of puts up in front of everybody every single day. What are the things that you kind of try to communicate to the people that you're talking to about mental health? I just think, like you said about being open and honest, I think that's one of the first really important factors. I think, for, you know, for me personally, a uh, long part of my career, my life, I was just very closed off book. Um, you want to meet new people, do you want to open up, do you want to talk about things? Um, probably a bit of a male's mentality as well, but um, in, in, in a male-dominated industry, I guess, you, you know, Harden up, toughen up, yeah. get your job done and go home type mentality too. So 
hiding away and you know, trying to um, be a closed off book didn't work. Um, I realized that the hard way. So I wanted to just go completely opposite. So be open and honest. And end of the day, people are going to, you're going to connect with some and uh, others you're not. But end of the day, I'm not, you know, it's not a popularity contest. I want to be, you know, have, have happy and healthy. And, you know, know you know, your wife and your family, your kids and your close friends loves care and support you. And that's, that's all that really matters. And, um, but yeah, I think when you talk about, you know, what do you want to share with, I think open and, on, open and honest is a really important part because if we all go through struggles, everyone, has adversity and hardship, uh, but it's how you bounce back and deal with it that's important. And I think if you're open and honest with it, you can give yourself the best chance to you know, let others help you or um, find the resources that can. What was the what was the turning point for you to ask for help? Was there like because people talk about a rock bottom moment, and I know that I experienced postnatal depression after the birth of my first daughter, and I had a rock bottom moment where I was. I felt like I'd lost complete control and I was just screaming at her. She was like an eight-month-old baby at the time and it was in that moment that I was like, this isn't normal. <laughs> like I, I don't have control over my emotions. I don't have control over anything in my life and it, I, I like scared myself in that moment. Was there a particular moment for you where you kind of went, I need to get help? Yeah, definitely. I think it was a probably a two-year period for me. I was, you know, seeing psychologists and trying to do some work, but it just wasn't enough in my mix of my busy schedule, um, you know, one hour a month if, or whenever I could possibly see you know, a psychologist to you know, talk about. I felt like I had 10 things to talk about and an hour a month to talk about them. Um, so it was just, but yeah, for me, um, my, my wife just said, look, this isn't a good relationship for me to be in. I can't do this anymore. You need to, you know, sort yourself out, get some help. Um, and that was kind of that rock bottom moment where, you know, she'd moved out, took the dogs, we didn't have any kids at the time, seven, eight years ago now. Um, but and it was just like, yeah, just half the house was gone. I was in Newcastle at the time, you know, in a, in a state that um, was foreign to me. I was only there to play rugby league, wasn't there with a lot of friends and family. And it was kind of that rock bottom moment that looking around my house, I think I was 27 at the time. Not a lot to show, not a lot of friends, not a lot of support, not much family. Wife just moved out. Mm. Uh, wasn't happy with the way my you know, career was going at the time and my form was down. Uh, I was just thinking to myself, you know, what am I doing? But, you know, look at old photos of me as a kid. And you can see this young, happy, smiling face with his you know, footy under his hand and a trophy in the other hand or um, going to school or, you know, playing with you know, my grandmother or grandfather or something and you know, just think, you know, what's changed? Why am I happy now? And it was kind of that rock bottom moment for me where it just I needed a change. Didn't know what was wrong. Didn't know why I felt the way I did. Didn't know why I was acting the way I was acting. But um, it wasn't the way I wanted to live my life anymore. And I you know, reached out for help and it was the best decision I ever made. What would you tell people who might be in that moment? Would you, what advice would you give to them if, you know, other people, other athletes, who might be facing a similar situation, what would you tell them right now? Yeah, I think it's just asking for help and even you know, even trying to educate yourself in these you know, certain situations too. I know there's a lot of you know, great resources out there now that you can you know, get the basic knowledge around you know, mental illness, mental health and you know, signs and symptoms to see and uh, understand. I think that's really important. That might also be for you know, partners, wives, husbands, girlfriends, you know, that um, sometimes it might be, not be the person that can see it, but it might be the, the loved one that could see it. Uh, I think that's really important to be able to see those signs and symptoms. So because I think it was my wife that originally, you know, pushed me into seeing a psychologist um, and it probably didn't work because I probably wasn't ready myself. Um, it wasn't until 
she left and you know said those words that I had kind of had that was the light light bulb moment for me. Um, but I think yeah, educating yourself and understanding there's so many resources and and uh, and help out there and. Um, being open and honest about it as well. Well, you mentioned kind of coming from a very um, masculine industry, to say the least, like your people just like running at each other, trying to hit each other to get a ball and get it over the line. And, you know, it's very um, testosterone fueled, and obviously being an athlete as well, you really want to put up this facade that nothing's wrong and, you know, you've got this basically. How was it kind of received when you did start initially being open and honest about the struggles that you were facing and the help that you were getting at the time? It's a good question. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Like I said, I probably pushed a lot of people away for different reasons, whether it's teammates or close friends. So I went to a mental health facility. Uh, I went there for three weeks and had four or five people come visit me while I was in there and, you know, they're Definitely realised they were probably really close friendships, those people that definitely made that time and effort to come and visit me. But I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot of stigma around it. It's a cop-out, you know, whether it's um, just uh, time to just get some space away. How do, you, how do you even see what mental health is? How do you know mm. uh, someone's got mental health struggles or a mental illness? You know, it's, it's so hard to see or diagnose. So I think uh, a lot of stigma attached with it. You know, I basically quit rugby league for the rest of that hot season, which was probably last eight or ten games. So, you know, it could be looked as selfish, you know, to my teammates and my club and fans and sponsors. Um, but I just knew for me, you know, over a long period of time and anyone that's followed my career, career closely would understand that um, you could see I was a bit of a diff- different character, um, had some probably challenges or just was a bit of a prickly person sometimes so I think people could understand um, once I did come out that hey maybe yeah there's something more to his personality and his actions that um, mm. than first thought um, but yeah Context, I think originally, right it's it's you yeah, get definitely. A, a clearer picture of of who someone is and what they're dealing with yeah I think you, you never really know what someone's going through a lot of empathy for people these days I think when you think about someone that might you know act inappropriately or you know cut you off in merging traffic or, you know, yell at you for doing something, you kind of think, well, wow, that's a bit out of, out of context or that wasn't warranted, that reaction. But maybe instead of going, you know, stuff you, maybe it's, a, I wonder what's going through their mind or what's mm. happened for them today or this week, you know, maybe there's something you know, deeper behind it. So I think you can think like that about people in general and give people the benefit of the doubt. I think you can, um, you know, sometimes cut people a bit of slack or, you know, have a bit of empathy for, you know, possible um, someone's situation and then I always also find that like I don't get as angry because <laughs> because yeah, you go too. you go okay. oh well that's like they, they've obviously got that wasn't to do with me that was something else it's not me it's them yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes definitely. exactly so kind of you you started your footy career with a premiership your final year at the Broncos was not a prem- premiership it was Probably <laughs> not an ideal. Yeah, it was like the opposite for the Broncos, not making the finals and, yeah, being a bit crappy. Look, that must have been really hard. How did you manage that kind of – because, like, I think all athletes dream about finishing on top, you know. You kind of don't ever imagine that your final game or your final year is not going to turn out exactly as you hoped. How <laughs> – well, did it did it bother you, or did you kind of were you able to kind of give yourself space around that and understand that 
you are an incredibly successful footy player who's had, you know, two premierships and, and so many wins, so many tries. How did you navigate that period of time? Yeah, I think I'd be lying if I said, you want to go, we got the wooden spoon that year to become last. So I'd be lying just if I said uh, I'm happy about it. Um, I've been saying that, you know, I learned a lot when I went to that mental health facility around, you know, gratitude, resilience, empathy, you know, mental toughness. Um, so the last, you know, five or six years of my career, I've really tried to put all that into practice and into place. So I look at any opportunity these days, whether it's good or bad, it's just, you know, the lessons, you know, and I think for me, um, you know, I've you know, seen our club be at its worst and I was a part of that. And I've been at successful clubs where we've won premierships, so I know what works and what doesn't work. So whether it's in the coaching space, whether it's uh, in the mental well-being space of, you know, athletes and, and young players, you know, I feel like I've got a better understanding of what works, what doesn't, how I can help. Uh, as far as my own journey for my last year and my career, you know, I announced my retirement at the start of the year and two weeks into the season, the season got uh, postponed and for COVID and, it could have been my last two games. Instead yeah. of having you know, a 25-round season, I could have had two games and retired. And I was okay with that because, you know, for me, I was I was a young kid from the Gold Coast that wanted to play one game for the Broncos. So to play over 300 and be the captain and play for my state and country, you know, I'm more than grateful. So, yes, I'd love to finish my career off in a better way. But in saying that, you know, if you can have gratitude, then I far exceeded my expectations of my football journey and career and um, so it was pretty easy to have some gratitude overall as a whole. Uh, Also another question that I think it's important for people to understand obviously you had the the three-week stint in in a mental health facility like is that is that it like is that all that you ever have to do to, to take care of your mental health or is it do you do things every single day to you know make sure that you are a good human, a good husband, a good father, a good friend, good at what you do, um, focused, passionate, How? what do you do or do you do anything every day? Yeah, I think it's um, there's no quick fix. Now, I, I originally thought that. I thought I'd go there for two weeks and come back out and play footy and I'd be magically fixed and healed and end up staying for three and didn't return to rugby league for six months. So uh, that was the plan. It was advice to me when I was in there and, you know, it was – something that I had a plan when I left the clinic um, because um, when you're in the clinic, I guess, you know, it's you're there 24 seven, um, but you're working yourself from nine to five. It's, there's group sessions, there's um, individual psychologists, um, you know, the gym opens, there's yoga, uh, there's art therapy, music therapy. There's all these different things to work on you, just you. You don't have to worry about paying a bill, um, your family, you know, if you've got children or your wife or whoever, you just focus on you. So it's, it's kind of easy to be in there. You get three meals a day time to go to the gym, everything. It's all set out for you. So it's, it's easy to be in the clinic. It's when you actually leave to um, implement the plan, the strategies, the tools into your everyday life with, again, all the things I just said, family, kids, paying the bills, work. All the triggers. That's the challenge. That's the t- Yeah, so that's the challenge. So it was about implementing what I've learned in the clinic, you know, in my daily, weekly, monthly routine. And I don't think you ever stop practising those things, to be honest. You know, I still... I just think I'm better at now probably having those things a part of my daily and weekly routine. So I guess, you know, for example, I try to catch up with you know, friends or family every week. That's part of you know, resilient strategy, I guess, you know, whether it's gratitude. You know, I had a gratitude journal for probably three years after I left the clinic. You know, I don't really use it as much anymore, but I feel like every time something you know 
stress or pressure comes along, I can always be you know, grateful for different things. It's not hard to uh, look for those type of things. So can I ask a question about those- a gratitude journal? Sorry, yeah. just sorry to jump in. But I've always yeah. felt super wanky <laughs> writing in a journal and being like, yeah. I am grateful for. But it's so funny because I've just started doing it consistently probably over the last three months because I hadn't yep. ever done it before because I, I felt like such a knob just sitting down and being like, Ugh. yeah. but it, it's amazing. And you don't have to be grateful for, you know, anything big. It can just be a, mm. a kind, a person was kind to me today or I felt really good in this situation. Like, did you yep. feel that coming from footy? I think by the time I finally got around to, well, understanding and learning about you know, keeping a, a journal and writing a gratitude journal that I was so open and ready for anything to change my, you know, my headspace, my mindset that, you know, I was, like I said, I was doing art therapy and music therapy. I was drawing family trees. I've still mm. got the photos here at home. They're not, it looks like a five-year-old, you know, drew them, but <laughs> um, I'm not proud of them. But, you know, I was open to anything. So I think by that time I was in that place where, you know, you know as a male, yeah, yeah writing it in a journal and, things I'm grateful for or how my day went um, doesn't sound, yeah, like I said, a bit interesting. Um, but you know, for me at that point, I was just so ready to change and, and I need the change that I was open to anything to get that help. And um, that gratitude journal was something that was, you know, one of the bigger things for me. I think it was something that was really helpful, whether it was writing down some challenges through the day and just getting it off my chest, um, but it, you know, not having a huge support network around me. Um, that was another strategy I had to do was to grow my support network. But mm. in the meantime, while not having a lot of people around, I felt like you know I could write down a challenge or a stress in my journal that would just kind of get it off my chest. Um, and I thought that was really you know, beneficial for me as well. So that gratitude journal, whether it be gratitude or just getting some things off your chest, was you know, really beneficial. Do you think you let your girls play footy? <laughs> Because, you know, girls can play footy now, which is really exciting that, you know, there's that avenue opening up to them. Are they interested in what you did? Do they know what daddy did, uh, you know, a few years ago? Yeah, my oldest one, she she understands. Um, she talks about it a little bit still. But um, I know my, my middle one, she's only two, but she's a bit of a rat bag and a bit uh, of a terror, so she could probably <laughs> play or be pretty good. Um <laughs> Our youngest is only 11 months, so she's you know, it's too hard, too early to tell. But my oldest, she, she's, um, I don't know, she's more, she's dancing, singing. Um, she does gymnastics and you know, dancing after school. So she's probably, uh, I think she's going to start soccer soon as well. So I think she's probably not too physical. Um, I'd never say never. I wouldn't, I'd be a bit worried uh, than playing it. But at the end of the day, well, as long as they're happy, I'm happy for them to do whatever they want. That's what I was going to ask. Like, would you be happy for them to do such a, you know, physically dangerous sport? Well, as I said, I'd rather them not. But <laughs> if they said, Dad, I want to play footy, can you sign me up? And I couldn't say no. So, mm. um, But, yeah, like I said, my oldest one's about to start soccer. My middle one, I think, you know, if she said, yeah, I think she'd probably be pretty good. She's a bit rough and a bit of a rat bag. But, um, yeah, time will tell, I guess. Yeah, my middle one's a bit of a loose unit as well, so <laughs> I feel They you. say that, don't they? The middle one's always the terror. <laughs> That's it. It's middle child it's syndrome. The, um, it's a thing. Fighting with, the, fighting with the other two, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. They're fighting for their spot to be like, I'm here also. Take mm. notice of me. I'm, I'm important as well. I'm important yeah. as well. So what are you hoping to do kind of in the next, I don't know, do you, do you set – 
longer term goals now that you're out out of sport? Because I like with swimming, obviously every four years we had the Olympics, every two years we had the World Championships. So we had, you know, sort of short term goals, but also that long term cycle that we were working towards. In your life now, do you set those longer term goals or is it kind of just that really short term trying to achieve things here and there every day? Good question. I probably need to write these things down. I've got a bit of an idea of what I want to achieve in the next, say, three to five years, but I think writing them down is definitely um, the best way to go just to keep you accountable and have it really set in stone. Uh, But I think when I think about it in my head, I've got done a bit of study, so I'd like to finish a couple of courses off that I'm doing. uh, What are you studying, if um, you don't mind me asking? uh, I'm doing a diploma of counselling. Oh, awesome. And an elite athlete wellbeing course as well. I really enjoy that, like I said, that well-being, mental health space, um, helping others. Um, I do a bit of work in that space already, um, whether it's you know, uh, you know, talks and, and, and programs and, and whatnot. So I'd like to, you know, and that's probably more so from my lived experience. Um, so I'd like to, you know, add that bit of uh, evidence-based and study around it too and hopefully you know, as a counsellor, I guess, or however further that can go, but really help people more one-on-one. Um, so I've got a bit of an idea around what that could look like in the next couple of years, but probably the focus is just, you know, do what I'm doing, but, you know, um, also try and finish that study off and then go from there. Did you set goals as an athlete? Like, because I'm always interested because, you know, obviously as an individual athlete, you set a goal and that's what you're trying to achieve for yourself. But do you set goals? You'd obviously set a team goal, I assume, but as an individual, Mm. do you set those goals for yourself as well? Yeah, when I was younger, I did, I think, you know, when I was, when it was, um, Playing certain amounts of first grade once I first, you know, my first debut, um, playing the team all year, be you know consistent, be regular, play a certain position, make the rep sides, stay in the rep sides. Uh, but when I got older, it was probably more around, and I was probably more established. It's probably more around what can I do to keep myself at the top of my game, or is anything I can do that's different. So I probably got more into um, recovery, diet, different type, types of training to really see how I could push myself in different ways or get that extra one to two percent that you might need when you get older because there's probably not as much especially physically anyway change or difference you can get maybe mentally you're probably getting smarter and, and stronger um, but you know physically uh, probably not as much so I never wrote a lot of these down those probably on my own head um, mm. again which is probably not the best but yeah different things change over the time but uh, not too much and one question that I love to ask every um, person who comes on the podcast is what is that moment from your sporting career that you're really proud of but not many people would necessarily know about? So, you know, obviously people know that you're part of premiership winning sides. They know, you know, that you're the what is it, the most capped wins in the Australian test side. Is that something? Uh, no, never, never lost a game. You never lost yeah. a game in the no. Australian side, yeah. right? Yeah. That like they're the they're the big things they're the big flashy things that everybody knows about. Is there a moment from your career that you can kind of in you you just go oh, I'm just so proud of that and nobody else really knows about it but I'm really proud of that moment. Um, I suppose for me I think one that just comes to my mind straight away is um, I think it was 2016 Billy Slater. So most people in rugby league world knows Billy Slater. He's you know probably the greatest ever fullback to play the game um, I played fullback as well he was injured um, so I got the chance to play for Queensland and Australia uh, as the fullback when I'd usually play on the wing 
I just remember going down to New South Wales in that first game as the fullback for the first time. Super, super nervous because I knew that it was my first chance to play fullback, even though I played probably seven or eight years in the Queensland side. I've never played fullback before. Good opportunity to play at my favourite position, test myself in that position. But I was super, super nervous because I just knew that if I didn't play well, it was my, it was my first and my last chance um, <laughs> going down to New South Wales. No pressure. Enemy territory. Yeah, no pressure. I put a lot of pressure on myself, but. Uh, Billy was in camp actually, so it was you know great to uh, have him there, have some experience, and have him um, you know, words of wisdom as well. But um, you know, I think just for me, I think I was really nervous. You know, a week before the game, which doesn't usually happen, because I just knew that Origins the most watched televised televised event every year in, in Australian television. So plenty of people are going to watch it, and plenty of people are going to have an opinion, crucify <laughs> you, or have an opinion, yeah, criticism, whether it's positive or negative about it. And I just knew that. It was my opportunity and I didn't want to let anyone down, whether it's my, you know, myself, my family, my teammates or the fans as well. So uh, we won the game. I was happy with my performance as well and we um, won the series too. So it worked out well. But, you know, I suppose something that people wouldn't know is just, yeah, I think for me, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I just wanted to you know, make every post a winner and, and not let opportunity slip. And luckily for me, it worked out. And finally, what... What advice would you give athletes who are either going through retirement or are just thinking about it? I mean, I've got two questions. Sorry. (laughs) How do people, because you said you you kind of had a couple of years of preparing for retirement, right? Like you started to think Mm -hmm. about where you wanted to go. What would you recommend people do to do that? And then what advice would you give to athletes who are just coming into retirement? Yeah, I think I think just being having a plan, and I know I know it's hard. And it's easy to say. You know, when I was younger in my career, the last thing I thought about was a plan. Or yeah, um, and clubs are great. You know, professional sports it's getting better. That you know, there's education programs, and some people, uh, some clubs, you know, there's almost a uh, no play policy if you don't have some type of study or mm. outside work. So, um, but you know, having young, you know, 18, 19, 21 year olds, you know, wanting to do these things when they know they've got a 10, 15 year career ahead of them is, is you can't even imagine planning it, right? Yeah. No, no. So I was exactly the same, but is getting a plan as quickly as possible, I think, is important. And then I think just trial and error, too. I think, you know, some people just do these things. And it's just like, I want to do that. And it's, it's like leaving school. How do you know what you really want to do if you've never done it before? Just so, going to try it. That's the thing. Yeah, so I think I was lucky for me, you know, my days off in my last probably three years, I was, you know, doing some of the work in the mental health space that I was going to be doing post um, my career. So then when I retired, I think the week later after retirement, I went straight into the the role from one day a week to three days a week. So Mm. literally for me, like, it didn't feel like anything changed. I just flowed on and, you know, didn't put the boots on the weekend. That was kind of the only change, you know, so... I think that made the transition so much easier for me. And I think if you can have a plan and then also, you know, trial and error a few things that when that time does come, hopefully it's after a long career, but you know, there's always different types of transition, whether that be injury or other, other reasons that um, you're just as, as prepared as possible for it. I, yeah, I was like fist pumping. Cause I just think that is such a, a, such good advice because I have thought the exact same thing. You just need to go and try stuff. Like if you go, oh, maybe mm. I'd be interested in X, go and test it out. Try and do, you know, whatever, corporate gig, like internship, whatever it, whatever it is. Just go and yeah. see what you like because that's what I feel like I've done over the last nine years is literally trial yeah. and error. 
And then you can mm. at least rule out things that don't suit you and don't fit what you're trying to create or where you're wanting to head and what your interests are. You might go, oh, yeah, mm. I'm really interested in being in the media. Actually, that's not that fun. I want to do something else that is adjacent yeah. to that. Yeah, I agree. So, um, well, then what? what's the advice for people who are in it and maybe haven't prepared as well as what they had hoped? Well, then I think, I guess, I think it's really about structure. I think that those kind of people, I think, you know, if you can, if you're probably in um, a sporting environment, you have um, your days, your weeks, your months, almost your years mapped out for you, um, then maybe trying to, you know, really, you know, time management and structure, um, I think it's really important. I think that's probably, like I said, for me, I probably, because of what I do is, you know, it is, it chops and changes week to week. The hours are different, the days are different. You're trying to, you know, and then, balance with your kids and other things it's probably trying to find a routine my wife and i've got a shared calendar now so we try to you know, look at that to make sure good on you know, you. she's got work on other things and vice versa and who's taken what kid to this sporting event and who's dropping off that morning and i just think that's you know i like you know i go on holidays and like to have structure where we're going what we're doing at mm. 1 30 we're going for lunch and four o'clock we're doing this so i've always been a structured person so i think you know for people that it's kind of forced on them or it's come to them in a, a quick time frame than just having trying to keep some type of structure or trying to plan out a bit of a routine I think can be helpful as well. Such good advice, Darius. Thank you so much for, for your time today. It's um yeah, it's really refreshing to have a male, a very strong male from a very, you know, masculine kind of past be able to communicate mm. their feelings and their thoughts and that it's okay to ask for help and to seek the things that they need to get that help and support in their lives. So I'm so grateful that you have spent this time with us and with me. Um, Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate having me on. Thank you so much for joining me on today's show uh, with Darius. I'm a full footy tragic, have been for for a very long time, uh, particularly the Broncos. So that was such a, a thrill and a pleasure to be able to interview Darbs. I didn't call him Darbs, but I wanted to because, you know, that's what footy people call him. Uh, but, yeah, it was such a, a pleasure to be able to interview him. He's someone that I have kind of watched for many, many years and who I have admired in – you know, both he and his wife, Kayla, in terms of what they've been able to express and be really open and honest with both of their journeys um, through different uh, challenges and, and difficulties that they faced. And yeah, he's a super chill dude who is able to articulate things really well and what people can do and then also take away and, and apply to, to their everyday life. So I hope you got a lot out of that chat. Uh, as always, like, subscribe, share. That would be amazing. At All That Glitters Pod, uh, DM me if you have any ideas. I've got a few uh, in the pipeline. I know a few people are asking about different athletes or retired athletes. So thank you very much for sharing those with me. And otherwise, I hope you have a lovely week and I'll chat to you soon.